What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Set of Wild, episode 59, a regular YouTube video web series podcast thingy. We're back. Raffle and I are back. Uh, glad to be here. And, we're, of course, we're joined by Corbett. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, like you, I enjoyed a few days off and a long weekend last week, but uh, excited to be back with uh, what I hear is a brand new metagame, thanks to the, the nerfs that uh, were released earlier this week. Yeah, uh, looking forward to digging into everything. Had a fun episode uh, last week with uh, Keith and Martian, but I missed you guys, and uh, welcome back. Happy to, happy to talk about this incredibly uh, diverse, exciting meta that you know I'm sure we'll jump into. Yeah, uh, Dad Raffle over here. I mean, don't even hit us with that dad joke I, to start us off with the episode. Come on. Look, Keith, <laughs> Keith got me. Keith got me um, like off guard on that one. I was tired. It was the end of the episode. I had nothing witty to retort, and I just like vomited like, "Oh, ruffle dad," and then I had to deal with questions about that for a week, like from Twitch chat. So that was great. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, of course, shout outs to Martian and Keith for filling in last week. Much love. Appreciate you guys. Uh, and if you guys enjoyed them, uh, you know, filling in last week, make sure you guys show them some love down in the comments below as well. All right. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Before we get into all that, we've got to take care of our usual housekeeping stuff. Uh, so, of course, if you guys enjoy the content, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, if you guys enjoy the content, make sure you guys hit that sub, hit that like, you know, hit that follow button, all that kind of good stuff. It's a small thing, but it does support us a ton. Yeah, you can also support us by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash stateofwild, uh, which comes with a lot of exclusive content and uh, some sweet perks. And some of the perks are a whole bunch of things that you get when you join the State of War podcast Discord server. So come join the Discord server, come talk about the game. Uh, it's a great place to hang out. So, hey, and even if you're not a patron, uh, come hang out and just join the Discord server. All right. Uh, all of that taken care of, we got to talk about the nerfs, right? That was the big thing. Came back. Uh, from my trip and all of a sudden was greeted with all of these nerf announcements that were going on uh, So we're gonna run through them really really quickly all of the nerfs and then we'll kind of touch on them one by one and talk about their impact in the wild format uh, So the first one battlegrounds battle master went from a five mana five five adjacent minions have wind fury to a six mana five five Conviction went from one mana to two mana uh, It still gives one two and three friendly minions plus three attack uh, Encanter's flow went from two mana to three mana Granite Forgeborn, this is the Shaman uh, Elemental card from the new expansion, uh, went from a 4-mana 4-5 to a 4-mana 4-4. Battlecry reduced the cost of Elementals in your hand and deck by 1. Uh, Elgonoth, so this is the Lifesteal OTK Demon Hunter, you know, centerpiece, went from 4-mana to 6-mana. Kolkar Packrunner went from a 2-mana 2-3 to a 3-mana 3-4. And then the big ones, we saved them for last. Uh, Dark Glare went from a 2-mana 2-3 to a 3-mana 3-4, uh, still only refreshes 1-mana crystal. And Flesh Giant went from eight mana to nine mana. Um, so let's just talk about these. We'll save we'll save the Darkler and the Flesh Giant for last, right? Because we're obviously probably going to talk about those the most. Uh, let's rush through all the rest of them. Uh, Battlegrounds Battlemaster uh, going from five mana to six. How are you guys feeling about this one? I mean, it, it was run in some of the, I mean, predominantly in the Darkler hype decks just as a, a finisher. Um, I mean, there's a meme in standard about it being the new Lothab, and it kind of kind of was the new Lothab, but even in, in Wild, at least for a bit, people were, um, you know, testing this out. It turns out that smacking your opponent in the head twice with the Giants instead of just once is uh, is quite good. Um, I've seen it still see some play in, um, you know, typical builds of Darkler with and without the quest. Still seems pretty good because you're not always just jamming this thing on five, but, like, the, the turn slower does make a difference. Um, I've also been trying it myself in a few even decks. Um, if you like bashing your opponent twice with Giants, like even Warlock is the obvious place for that. But uh, also when paired with the Conviction nerf, um, it actually fits nicely into an even Paladin now that we have Call to Arms back as well as that uh, really the, the same tax package that um, the, the deck was already winning or beating Dark Glare with uh, last expansion with uh, Watchpost and Nerebar Weblord. So... There's some potential for this card to continue seeing play even in wild, um, but yeah, definitely, it, it, you know, it slows down Dark Lair a little bit, but as I'm sure we'll discuss, I don't know how important that is right now. Yeah, super splashable card, like like uh, Ruffles said. Um, again, not entirely sure whether it's like still good enough. Like it looks kind of borderline. I another even deck that I I think benefits a lot is even Warlock. I kind of like that. The deck's a, a deck that has lacked a bit of finishing power previously, a lot of burst, and so you know smacking 
you know, as we know, smacking people in the head with 8-8s twice is good. So <laughs> that's uh, pretty good for that deck as well. Um, but I'm sure we'll see it pop up here and there and things like Tax Paladin. And uh, a little bit more niche, though. You know, like, it has to fit the right deck. I was running two in uh, both Even Lock and Even Paladin just to consistently get it down. Felt a little bit gratuitous in Even Paladin, but felt very good in um, Even Lock as just like a consistent turn six or five finisher if you have the coin. I, I will say it does hurt Handbuff Paladin, right? Like Handbuff Paladin mm. was using this card a ton. Uh, and like you mentioned, paired with the Conviction nerf, like Handbuff Paladin just taking its lumps, man. It's not even a good deck anymore and it's still taking its lumps. Um, so it was a little sad to see that go from Handbuff. I, I will say I did bring this, like I was still running this as a one-off in Handbuff Paladin and it like I brought it to THL because um, I got to ban Warlock uh, and it still like popped off in that deck. Like it was still good at six mana. Um but I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, uh, a lot of my games are ending before turn six. Like, I don't know if I, like, really want this in my in my deck, to be completely honest with you. Um, and we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about Conviction, the next card. Uh, going from one mana to two, I mean, the big change here, obviously, is you can't run it in Odd Paladin, which is a huge, huge nerf. Um, Battlegrounds, Battlemaster, I mean, speaking of, we also were seeing some play in Odd Paladin too, paired with Conviction. Um... But yeah, Conviction going from 1 mana to 2 is a huge nerf. I would have much rather them have done, like, 1 mana, give a friendly minion, like, plus 2 attack. So that it was, like, still playable and stuff like Tax, tax Paladin and Hand Buff Paladin and stuff like that. Um, so I think the Conviction going from 1 to 2 is a huge nerf. But I still think you play it in stuff like Hand Buff Paladin and Tax Paladin just because it was, like, that good. I think it also makes uh, Carriol maybe a more frequent inclusion. Mm -hmm. Just because, um, you know, she can bring it back down to one maybe zero mana at times so she was kind of a, a fringe include uh prior to the nerf but i think she's maybe just mandatory to make the card a little bit more playable now um and you can still fetch it with knight of anointment uh the the real big bummer is that odd paladin loses the capacity to play it at all but i don't know that this is a tool that odd paladin should have ever had to begin with so <laughs> i am fine with it moving to two mana because it was pretty just out flat out outrageous at uh, at one mana to begin with and i'm just like I'm okay with it now. I think it's a more reasonable card. And Odd Paladin probably still... Like, it was a good deck before Conviction. It's going to be a good deck after Conviction. Like, it's... It, I, I think I think it'll find a way to survive. Yeah, like, who needs cards when you have a button? So it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, hefty nerf. Uh, Paladin, very sad about this one. And Battlemaster together. B big deal uh, combined. Just taking away so much lethality. Um away from the class, uh, but we'll see, we'll see. Paladin's still probably fine-ish all around. Uh, speaking of a card that's probably no longer fine, uh, let's talk about Corbett's Baby, Encanter's Flow, uh, going from two mana to three. Uh, thank goodness that this card is finally nerfed. Um, I mean, Corbett, have you played AP... I know you said before the nerf that I'm never playing yeah. APM Mage after this nerf. Have you tried it after the nerf yet? Yeah, if I say a lot of things, um, <clears throat> not all of them are true. So, yeah, I have actually played a lot of APM Mage, funnily enough. Um, there was one point I just got sick of Warlock, and I'm like, you know what, let's just, let's just play it again. Um, and yeah, like, it hurts a lot. It does. Like, it's a, it's a very significant nerf. Um, you know, like, uh, taking away things like the flow into the intellect curve is brutal. Just, like, getting a... It's almost like a two-mana nerf, uh, because you lose the initial discount on your next spell that you would have gotten a lot of the time. Uh, so, I don't know, it's still brutal. You still play it, because it's still, like, your best mulligan card a lot of the time, but... Man, Mage is, um... Mage is in a sorry state. Like, Mage might be the second worst class in the format behind... Or ahead of Demon Hunter, perhaps? Uh, but I, I don't think that's that outrageous to say, which is nuts considering where we were for the past i don't know uh four years uh it's been a while so yeah poor flow i'm sad about it but i'll keep playing it because it's my like you said it's my baby i'm i'm personally fine with this nerf i think it was kind of yeah. expected and maybe <laughs> i i wouldn't have uh i would have maybe liked to see Springwater come back down to where it was uh, as kind of a trade-off because this is probably the nerf that should have uh happened previously already but i don't know like it, i sure just delete the deck I, I, it's it's not the most fun thing in the world to play against and i, I think that the the main issue that i had is kind of the kelisath effect right like do i draw a card on two if yes have a good time if no have a bad time and i i just don't think that's a really enjoyable play pattern for me personally 
feels really good when you do the powerful thing, but like that's offset by how bad it feels when you do the the dying thing because you didn't draw the good card. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in standard, at least, mage does look quite strong right now. Um, and so I think there was probably a good reason to not immediately touch Springwater. Uh, like, it's still the most popular deck at um, Bronze through Gold, so a lot of people still like it, it's still doing really well. The, the meta trends look like it'll keep getting, like, pretty decent, so I think it was fine to sort of leave that alone for now. Yeah. I will say, I mean, Mizaki Mage is still playable, right? It's a little bit slower, which is probably a good thing. Oof. I mean, I, again... Small sample size, but I played some on ladder to prep for THL, played it in THL, it was fine, right? It, like, it did the winning thing. Um, it is a turn slower, though, and there's a lot of aggro right now on ladder, like we'll talk about. And so, like, losing a turn, like, both as the APM mage and the Mizaki mages are a big deal, right? But, like, like Raffle mentioned, I am perfectly okay that these decks are not very good and don't have a very high win rate because they're not very fun to play against. So, I'm happy to see this nerf, uh, even if it was a long time coming. <laughs> How dare you. How dare you? Hey, man. Hey, 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 hey. I have <laughs> made my hatred of these decks long known, all right? Um, let's talk about the next nerf. Uh, Granite Forgeborn, uh, 4 mana, 4-5 to a 4 mana, 4-4. Four, four. Uh, we were pretty hype on this card, uh, kind of coming into the expansion, before we realized that, like, Quest Warlock was going to be Quest Warlock. Um, so this nerf, like, is it hitting a card that's not seeing any play in the format. Um, and I don't even know how much of an impact a 4-5 compared to a 4-4 four, four is a you know, in general. Um, so I don't really think that we need to spend too much time on this. Honestly, I'm great. Yeah. I, I think this is just the way the card was meant to be printed to begin with, because like, why is it a, why is it a Yeti? So, yeah. All right. The next one, uh, Ilganoth <laughs> going from a four mana two, six to a six mana four, eight. Uh, I think this is a nerve completely targeted at standard because people have been hating OTK demon hunter for a very, very long time in standard. Uh, this slows down the combo term by a significant margin. Uh, again, this is a deck that was not seeing any play in our format. Um, and now, especially after it goes to six mana, we'll not see any play in our format. Uh, so we'll go ahead and talk about Kolkar Pack Runner. So two mana, two, three, two, a three mana, three, four. Um, I think this all but cements that we have to be playing the odd version of Quest Hunter just because now the Starving Buzzard Kolkar Pack Runner build is just not good enough, uh, which is a little bit sad. Um <sighs> So yeah. sad. So sad. So I will throw this out there. I saw somebody running a Master's Call version that um, included, like, the Alley Cat uh, Warper as well as the Buzzard, and then just using that as the, the draw engine off of off of Buzzard. So there's still hope. There's still hope for a Buzzard version, but, yes, this is, uh, this is no longer, um, you, you know, an argument. It's probably just the case that the odd version is better. I think it might have been better uh, to begin with. I just enjoyed the Buzzard things. Yeah, I think we all did. <laughs> um, I guess the question becomes, does Packrunner ever see play in the odd version of Hunter um, now that it is three mana? I, I don't no. think so, no. no. Like, you just um, want spells that go face. Yeah, in, in standard, like, people still playing it. It looks kind of sketchy in, like, the face Hunter. Like, they're not entirely sure what they are, right, cut it or not. Um, in wild, it, it's just so hard to combine it with other cards at three mana, right? Like, if you don't have the coin... Like, are we spending four mana on a three, four plus one Russia? Like, that that seems really iffy. So I don't know. I, I think it's too weak, too heavy. Three mana? Like, you gotta spend three mana on the this? It's insane. Yeah, you spend three mana on this, and then you die to Shadow Priest. So what's what's the <laughs> point? Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, it's just me wanting to play things that are not just damage at the opponent's face in like Odd Hunter, trying to trying to be fun, when in reality you should just be pointing yeah. stuff face. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's get to the juicy ones. Uh, Dark Glare, finally getting nerfed uh, from a 2-mana 2-3 two two to a 3-mana three 3-4. Three uh, and then let's go ahead and combine this conversation with Flesh Giant because they're the same deck, right? Uh, Flesh Giant going from 8-mana to 9. Um, I will go ahead and say, from my experience, I, I did the thing. I played a lot of pure Dark Glare and Quest Lock post-nerfs just because I, I wanted to try them for myself before I spoke about the power level of these cards. Um, I think that these nerfs were great if they happened like six months ago before the quest was released. Because what it feels like is the pure Dark Lair version of the deck has been toned down a significant amount. Which is good, right? This is what we wanted a very long time ago. The issue is, is that it doesn't seem like it slowed down quest lock at all. And I will say, like, Flesh Giant from 8 to 9, not a huge change. Dark Lair from 2 to 3, 
pretty huge change actually like it's it's a pretty significant change it just doesn't seem like it slowed down Questlock with the giants like nearly enough for it to change the meta but i will say if these nerfs happened six months ago like it, it hit normal dark glare it just doesn't hit what we want <laughs> want it to hit yeah that's i think that's on the on the nose right there They're like uh, the the dark glare turns do happen later which is relevant and in addition to that like i think that something that's you know overlooked is that you're not necessarily just playing the two dark glares in your deck when you're playing dark glare warlock as well you're getting the raised deads off of them you're potentially combining two dark glares on a single turn that becomes a lot clunkier with it at three mana um you know and the one mana for a flesh giant uh for the typical dark glare deck does make a difference the healing from the the quest though kind of um sets some of that and like it's still very easy easier than i thought um it would be still to get the uh, the flesh giants down quite early uh quest completion turns are for the the dark glare builds i, I i'm sure we'll discuss it but there are some multiple builds of the the quest lock uh floating around i've noticed that dark glare builds tend to complete the quest a little bit slower but i don't know how much that matters if you're completing the quest on turn five versus turn six um, you know, in most matchups, that's honestly barely relevant. Like a turn you would expect would be a big deal, but they're running so many board clears, so many, um, you know, healing effects and threats and removal that like it becomes, you know, a little bit less important and the deck is still very good. I think that what these nerfs have made me realize at least is that Dark Lair Warlock is kind of in a similar place to where Secret Mage has been for, you know, the previous four years or whatever, where it's not just about a single card or um even like a, a an assortment of cards it's just it's gotten to the point where they're it's like hit critical mass of uh, synergistic cards that are when combined together very powerful and i don't know how you address that because i mean you ask in the same way that if you ask you know four to five different people um what the problem card is in secret mage you could very well get five different answers the, the i feel like the same is true for uh for these uh, dark glare and quest warlock builds where um you know i've heard it's crystallizer i've heard it's it was dark glare before the nerf i've heard it's rune mithril rod i've heard it's um you know the the quest itself but it's i think it's the 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 combination of these cards in a single deck that uh working together in a way that like is just a, a lot more powerful than um i think just two cards yeah um sorry lots of lots to go through now um flesh giant is still the best card in the deck is the thing right like flesh giant is still the best card in seed lock despite the nerf which is kind of wild dark Lair, uh i i don't know if you're meant to play it is the thing i i don't know if you're actually meant to cut it um which is weird but like, I, I think there's a lot of questions around Warlock, around what build we go for. Um, it does feel very confusing right now as to whether, like, are we cutting Dark Lair? Do we cut Molten Giant? Like, how much do we build around, like, this giant package? Do we do we do this other build, these control builds that uh, Ruffle kind of alluded to? Like, these fatigue lists that have been popping up here and there? Um, but it doesn't matter what the question is, because the answer is Warlock is really, really good. Uh, it doesn't matter, like, really what we want to do. Warlock is still busted. It's still insane. Um, which wasn't really what I was expecting, right? Like, I, I thought... The, the effect that the deck... The effects that the nerf had on normal Dark Lair, where I think normal Dark Lair... I don't know exactly how good it is, but it does feel significantly worse, right? Like, the pure Dark Lair deck. Um, and that's just gone, basically. I thought that there would be a sort of similar effect on Seedlock where it would definitely knock down knock down a tier, but it just it just hasn't. It's still bonkers. Yeah, that's that I I overestimated I think the the impact of this because I was just uh, fixating a little bit too much on the uh the impact it might have on um the traditional dark glare deck overlooking the fact that like Seedlock is is pretty nuts and has other ways to um you know get online very quickly and in fact, uh, you can make an argument that like maybe people were tunneling in on the the dark glare builds when they there was this you know now uh, new build that's popping up that maybe people should have been exploring to begin with and it, you know very well could have been uh, the way to go for the deck because um, you know I it, it maybe a low sample just from the games that I've been playing but in my observation is that like I have a much better success rate against 
seed locks that are running dark lair versus seed locks that are running the mithril rod and a lot of the draw package and like i i don't know is it i guess we'll never know if we were meant to be you know building the list that way to begin with because we overlooked it due to the existence of dark lair I will say, like, the new Fatigue versions that have popped up were, like, what I initially imagined the quest lock being, rather than, like, just Glare and Giants. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking about how, like, how much worse Glare is. I still think Glare is, like, good. Like, I still think it's, like, the amount of games that I played just today where the opponent was able to do, like, the Glare pop-off turns with Raised Dead and Cobalt Librarians and Tour Guides and, like, complete their entire quest on turn three, like... That happened multiple times against me, so, like, I still think, like, Glare is good. I will say, though, that, like, the experimentation with the Fatigue stuff has probably, like, taught us, hey, we should probably be running, like, Ruined Mithril Rod anyways, because that card is just Omega Busted, right? And it seems, like, really good in the deck. So for those of you guys that don't know, it's very similar to, like, the original Seed Lock that you guys are probably familiar with, but instead of running the Flesh Giants and the Molten Giants and the Lothabs, you're running, like, Expired Merchants and Headnickel Dance to kind of just cycle through your entire deck. Uh, you're running a little bit more of a defensive package, so instead of like broomsticks uh, and cheaty ankle biters, you're running stuff like plague of flames and armor vendors. Uh, and essentially, what you're doing is you're completing the quest, uh, playing Tamsin, and then you play Cataclysm with all of these handicle dans in your hand, so that you take like 12 points of fatigue damage, right, in a single turn. And because you've played Tamsin, your opponent takes like the 80 damage. So this is kind of what we had initially thought. I think personally, what the quest was going to be. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I'll tell you my personal experiences, and we can, like, dive into, you know, Giants versus Fatigue, but it has felt like the Fatigue version, because it runs Plague of Flames, feels okay into the Giants version of the deck, personally. Uh, again, small sample size, based upon, like, me playing the deck against probably people that are not the best Giants Dark Glare players. Um, it feels good into that, and then it, like, it has a little bit more healing, so you're, like, have more of a chance against stuff like Odd Hunter and Pirate Priest and, and Quest Druids. Um, but you're a lot weaker into the board-based aggro decks, right? Because you don't have the Giants and the Lothab and the Broomsticks. And so that's just been my experience. I probably would favor the Giants version of the deck myself. Um, but I'd be interested to see like what y'all's opinion on the power level of this new Fatigue version of the deck is as well. Um, I, I know it's pretty popular just probably because it's the new version of the deck. But I'll be interested in y'all's thoughts. Um, I, I find it hard to believe that running giants isn't correct in just either version of the, of the deck. Uh, uh, like something that I was playing early on included, uh, Plague of Flames, Plague of Flames and, uh, Flesh Giants. And like an incredibly powerful play is just like, you know, clear the board with idiots. Thanks to the, uh, Plague of Flames, drop a giant behind it and say, go. Um, so I, I, I find it hard to believe that you don't that you want to be running. I've been seeing Dirty Rat popping up in the list. I've, I find it hard to believe you want to run that over um, just a, you know, Flesh Giant, which effectively uh, is a zero mana eight eight rather than a zero mana or two mana two six. That like I don't know what you're dirty ratting in this metagame. Um, that could be a misread on my part, but like I would want to run uh, the Giants in those. And um, again, it could just be the the low sample of games that I I personally run into, but I seem to be getting. Um, more consistently um burned down by the uh the fatigue version um than i i have been with the the traditional dark glare lists uh just as a result of you know the the dark glare slowing down their uh their power turns i haven't had the experience of uh opponents completing the quest on turn three or four with the uh the new version of dark glare but uh, it's just possible that i've been fortunate in my uh in my opponent's draws or the uh, the quality of uh player that i'm queuing into potentially yeah in the fatigue list um like i saw the list originally and in hindsight it does seem a little bit silly like are we really running armor vendor over like flesh giant like zero mana eight eight still kind of strong even if you know even with the expired merchant you can actually do some really cute plays where you like expire the flesh giant and then like rather than the hand of guldan then you like get an extra copy in hand and all of a sudden the following turn it costs zero um so there's kind of some cute stuff you can do with that uh but yeah, which one do I think is better? Um, I think like the normal traditional Dark Lair right now is better, but that doesn't mean I don't think the Mithril Rod Fatigue version is really good, because that deck is also really good. Um, those those are still like nutty builds and nutty archetypes, and like I said, it's still going through a period of refinement, so I don't really know. Um, like I think 
the happy ghoul, all that kind of stuff is still the best thing you can be doing. Um, but it, it does, like, highlight some of the issues, right? Where even in the normal dark lair list, even if it is a turn slower, the, it does... It does really highlight just how much of a sort of safety net the quest is, right? Where you have to deal with these giants out on turn 5 and 6 and try not to die. And then even if you deal with that, there's still the quest slide backup plan. And it, it just makes it so so difficult and such a tight window to actually like kill them and things like that. So, I don't know. Um, it is interesting though that we've kind of diverged and now these more two distinct builds. And we'll see where it goes. There are two distinct builds, but I think the moral of the story and how the nerfs have impacted the metagame is Warlock still top dog by a mile, right? It just happens that now instead of Seedlock with Giants and, like, Dark Glare without the seed, like quest, you have Giant Seedlock and Fatigue Seedlock as, like, the top dogs, and nothing else has changed, right? All the other meta decks have kind of stayed the same, except for, like, Tax Paladin and Odd Paladin have gotten worse, so you're probably seeing them a little bit less. And... Flow Mage <laughs> is, is disappearing because of Flow, but I mean, in general, the meta feels the, the exact same. I don't know if you guys are feeling something a little bit different, but I don't think I've queued into, like today, I queued into 60% Warlock. So it, it doesn't feel like it, the meta has changed at all. Um, I've actually had this unique experience where rather than seeing a lot of Warlocks, I've been seeing a lot of decks that beat Warlocks recently. I've been seeing a lot of uh, Pirate Warrior and Aggro Priest, as well as a boatload of Questline Druid. Like, uh, looking at my stats today, I think I was at, like, 27% Warlock, which is still outrageously high. Like, I, I'm still queuing into an obscene amount of Warlocks. It's just not as much as I was at the beginning of the expansion, because uh, at least the people that I'm queuing into seem to be intent on just uh, bullying the, uh, the, the Giant's Lock, which is is possible but the the problem is is like we talked about week one when the demon seed was released it really just pushes in that window of it like acceptable turns in hearthstone in wild um it's doing something similar in standard where like you don't really have late game as a result of you know essentially this uh this one deck it's it's kind of the the problem that uh the warlock class in wild tends to have right it's done it with giant's lock it's done it with darkest hour it's done it with snip lock where it just like you know it's done for over a year with the the traditional dark lair but because it wasn't you know necessarily as new and shiny or as more difficult to play we didn't see the nearly the level of popularity that we're seeing with uh, the deck now even though you know it was it was head and shoulders above the the rest of the decks for for quite a while um, and so the accessibility of the or, and forgivability of the, the quest builds make it uh, a little bit more appealing down the ladder. So people are starting to realize that, you know, again, there's another broken warlock deck where um, that, you know, it really pushes in uh, the um, uh, the the length of, of games to a point where, yeah, you can't really plan for turn seven plus. Yeah. I mean, I think this transitions really nicely into like, you know, another topic here. Are you happy with the state of Warlock? And if not, I, I'm going to assume no. Um, do you think that it needs more nerfs? Or what do you feel like is the next step forward? Because it feels like, even though we got eight nerfs, and it looks like we finally got nerfs to Glare and Giant, didn't feel like it did anything. So what are you guys thinking of like the next steps? Okay, first of all, Meath, I want to say missed opportunity there to ask about how do we feel about the state of Wild. Um, kind of a missed, missed one there. Um, <laughs> but as the the state of Warlock... Um, yeah, I mean, we, we probably need changes. Uh, the, <laughs> we desperately need changes. I, I will say that I, I think, like, the biggest issue right now is popularity. Uh, in terms of power level, I'm not really sure just how far in front Warlock is compared to something like Agro Priest or Pirate Warrior. Like, I think those are actually very, very good decks, right? Um, and I don't think it's the same situation where Warlock before the patch, was so far and away, like, tier zero territory. Um, but the popularity is a huge concern, and the fact that it is really good, it is being targeted like crazy, it's still really good, and the fact that it is, like, 30% of the field, and, you know, you saw, like, 60% today, and so on. Um, and Ruffle saw nothing but counters, <laughs> and, you know, it's just so warping like that. So in terms of, like, what's the long-term issue? Like, we just need changes, probably, and, um, you know, hopefully they're coming, you know? Maybe we got a little bit of information that maybe there's something down the road, uh we'll see yeah yeah i 
I think I pretty much agree with that. I, I, um, it, it's, it feels very limiting right now as a result of that. Yes, there are ways to beat it. Um, mm. And that's, you know, that's, that's a good thing. But, um, you know, there's very little limited play patterns that consistently beat it as a result of that narrowing of the window in terms of the acceptable game length as a result of the popularity of Warlock. So I think that, I don't know, it's fine. I think it's fine for a deck to be as polarizing as uh, Seedlock currently is. I do not think that a deck should be as successful or as popular as Seedlock is while being as polarizing. Because we have, we've had polarizing decks. Mazaki Mage is polarizing. Maligos Druid is polarizing. Uh, Odd Warrior, to a certain extent, is, is a very polarizing deck. Like, there, there are matchups where it feels helpless. And, you know, I think it's okay for those type of decks to exist, but they've never been, like, at, at this level of popularity, and they're certainly never at this level of uh, power relative to some of the other decks. Even if it isn't, you know, head and shoulders above uh, the other decks like it was maybe prior to the patch or even prior to the expansion with the just, again, we can't say this enough, that Dark Lair was already very good. Um, and, you know, this was the case beforehand. It's just now people are more aware of it because of the increase in popularity. So I, I think that, yeah, something needs to be done to either decrease the amount of polarity associated with the deck because, again, getting past 7 plus is just not realistic uh, against the deck. Um, or the the power level so that the popularity drops uh, sort of in step with that to the point where you can start, you know, playing later game decks and just saying, you know, well, 15% of my games, which is still a lot, uh, I'm going to lose to uh, Seedlock. But that's very different than 60% of my games I'm going to lose to Seedlock, which is just helpless. Yeah, the current situation um, and the level of oppression actually sort of takes me back to comments that Ixai made when he was talking about his experience playing Wild and what he found when he was in High Legend, where he was talking about the meta and how diverse it was and how Reno decks um, kind of help the diversity of the format. And look, I have had my issues with Reno decks and Reno cards and things like that, but uh, I think what's currently going on is definitely making me self-reflect a little bit on the fact that Reno decks by themselves sort of do naturally make the meta a bit more diverse like yeah they all have these core highlander cards um but if those strategies are viable then it means that you see reno warlock you see reno mage you see reno priest you see reno shaman like you see a whole bunch of different decks and different classes and right now the fact that that entire subsection of the format is completely useless and just helpless um it does make the meta feel even more samesy and the most narrow than it has in a in a while i think uh, where everything feels like it's trying to do very similar things, and it doesn't feel like we have great diverse options, which is weird because usually Wild does. Like that's one of the biggest things about Wild is it feels like you usually list off so many decks that you can play, and it just feels like that isn't really the case right now. Yeah, it's it's a, a unique situation because when you're talking about the the meta game, there's typically the the level one uh, game plan, which is play the best deck, which is which is Dark Lair. Level two is play the deck that beats the best deck, which is you know things like uh, Shadow Priest, uh, Questline Druid, anything um, that smacks the opponent in the face and kills them quickly. Questline Hunter is another good example, especially the odd version. Um, and then there's the the level three, which is maybe an answer to some of those decks that are popping up in order to beat the best deck, but you just you, you cannot do that right now because if you do that, you just you know go up to the top and lose to sixty uh, percent of those warlocks. And there's, so there's no there's no counterplay to the counterplay. Essentially, is is why everything feels samey. It's just uh, seedlock and the decks that beat it. Yeah, I will say two things. First of all, Corbett, how dare you? Personal growth on the podcast. Can't do that, man. Can't do that. <laughs> uh, and second, like I also want to say, like the, part of their whole mindset about the wild format has always been. As much of a meme as this has become, like being able to play your favorite decks of the past, right? And for a lot of people, a lot of, myself included, some of those favorite decks are stuff like Reno Lock, Reno Mage, Reno Priest, and you just can't play those decks. Like you physically cannot even play a whole archetype of decks. Not even like, oh, I can't play my Freeze Mage from 2014. It's like I literally can't play a Reno because I am dead before turn six, right? Like you can't, you can't do that, and. It, like you mentioned, it does make everything feel so samey, and it's not even like that. Like you just, like Rafa mentioned, you just can't play entire archetypes of decks, and that was part of the whole reason I enjoy the WoW format to begin with. Is like being able to play my favorite archetype from my favorite class and be able to rotate through and 
play 27 different viable decks, right? That's like maybe one of the whole appeals that I, th I think of my stream is like the whole 27 deck roulette. And I can't even name like nine viable decks that I would be able to play, let alone 27. And so, which is scary, right? And so we have had a couple of hints, but hopefully, hopefully they take further steps uh, to address Quest Warlock. And I'll, I'll go one step further. What would you guys like to see them, if they do make another change to Warlock, what would you like to see them do? Whether it's just like an outright ban to the Demon Seed, um, maybe some specific nerfs to Cobalt Librarian Raise that. I know we've had this conversation a little bit. I know you kind of dove into this last week with uh, Keith and Martian, but uh, I want to have this conversation with the three of us. What do you guys think that they might want to do? Um, I, I think when we when we discuss the problem of the, the deck right now, it is the narrowing of the, the window, um, because that's, I think, what's pushing um reno decks really out of the format in the past you know there there were answers to a board full of uh giants as irritating and difficult to remove as they were but like you had some agency in the matter um i think that realistically the it's maybe not the best card in the deck standalone but i think the the problem is the play patterns that the quest creates and like the uh the you know the the compacting of the uh the game length as a result of just having an easy way to have inevitability on any opponent. And um, I don't, I think that's what's creating the polarity. And I think that the polarity is what needs to be addressed. And so I, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it without just like outright deleting it. So yeah. I don't, I don't want to like bank on the ban now that we've had one as like the uh, catch all solution to anything, but I don't know how to rework the quest without like completely changing it. And, um, but I don't know. That that's why I'm not a game designer. I guess I I see the the quest reward in particular as um, the biggest culprit in terms of um, limiting the, the the viability of certain decks in the format. So that's what I would like to see addressed. I don't know how to address that though. Uh, the other alternative is that you just kind of get the whole deck, and then because it's so much worse, people play it less, and then that also kind of solves the same problem. So I, I don't I don't know what's better for the, the format necessarily because there are consequences to that. And, you know, you lose some of the nostalgia associated with a card like Cobalt Librarian, which has been broken for years, to be clear, but, like, it was introduced at a time when Warlock was garbage. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's a sp again, it always sends us back to what they want to do with Standard. Um, in Standard, there's a lot of hype around D6 Warlock, like the Stealer of Souls deck. And it's probably a lot... Uh, a lot of that is unwarranted, like it'll drop off a lot uh, from where it currently is. Um, but that said, uh, the hand quest warlock in standard is actually really, really good. So they might want to address that anyway. So in that situation, we could see a nerf to Demon Seed. Um, I guess it's it's very difficult to sort of nerf that, but something you could do is you could just make it take more damage on each quest tick. So instead of being six, seven, eight, maybe make it uh, seven, eight, nine, and that could definitely slow it down slightly. Um, I don't know ultimately like how much that would affect things, but yeah. Uh, and if they don't want to touch it in standard, they could either you know go after Cobalt or uh, I don't think a ban is very likely. Like a ban feels like a absolute last resort situation, and I don't. I I think they in this situation they'd be more likely to do a balance change than Steeler, which they didn't want to adjust in any capacity in standard, and they just didn't want to nerf. Like, like, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's very unlikely we see sort of a ban compared to a nerf to Cobalt or something like that. Oh, I was going to say, like, I think my biggest issue with the quest is, like, the speed at which you complete it. Like, I'm okay with cards giving inevitability, right? I'm just not okay with that inevitability starting on turn five, right? Which is what's <laughs> happening with the with the Demon Seed, right? Which is, like, that's kind of my whole big issue because you can't interact with that, right? There's no way for a slow deck to disrupt that. Um... Which is like probably the most frustrating part about that. Like it's at least with Dark Lair, you had the ability to, like Ruffle said, yeah, turn three giants are annoying, but there's at least an opportunity for me to clear those before I die. Uh, you don't really have that opportunity against Demon Seed, so I mean, I would be in favor of just like a ban. I know, I know, we mentioned that this is probably not something that they're going to do. Um, I would also, honestly i would be down for like a reworking of the quest reward to be like whenever your hero takes damage the opponent also takes damage so like instead like replacing that instead of claws um but again that's a very significant rework that they probably will not do outside of just reworking the quest like i i don't know if there's like i don't think 
increasing the amount of damage that it takes to complete the quest is going to do anything <laughs> like really significant I, in our format outside so, of just make it even more polarizing for those aggressive decks yeah but i think that there's there is something there in terms of slowing down the the rate at which they they get it online simply because uh it gets to a point where they need to run healing to offset that if you extend it um enough and like some of the some of the reason i've had success against um you know the the dark layer builds of the the deck that i've been facing are because they're running cards like um like spellstone and um like drain life or whatever they are running those healing cards and those cards are not good uh they slow it down so much that um that it like gives you a chance like they delay a tamson by a turn or two to heal up when it's just like that's not better than killing the opponent. So I, I think that there is some merit to uh, increasing the um, the cost of getting it online. Not only does it slow it down, but like you you have thirty health. If you're increasing the number that uh, it requires to get the uh, the quest line online, you're going to be at you know not only a, a turn or two later, but you're going to be at a much lower life total when the Tamsin does come down, and that counter swing is really impactful. Um, I could. I, I see a valid argument for like the the reworking of the quest reward entirely to again um, you know still take that damage which requires you to run healing to offset that. I think I think either of those would would be a workable um, change to the deck. I just don't know how realistic it is if uh, to expect a change to a card that is currently in standard and not necessarily the level of uh, problematic that it is in in wild. So that that's why i kind of lean towards the ban i think you know those are both reasonable solutions to the card i just don't know how realistic they are uh for because they're really with the wild format in mind right all right uh so that's gonna wrap up our conversation about all of the nerfs uh interested to see how the the meta continues to develop and refine uh and potentially any other changes uh that they announce coming soon uh and and the reason that we're expecting that, we'll go ahead and hop into the uh, the second half of the podcast here. Uh, I mean, Ixar held an, another Q&A where he addressed a bunch of questions about specifically the WoW format and Warlock. Um, so we'll go ahead and hop into, uh, you know, it's good to have Ixar's Q&As back. Free content, right? Free content. Um, but let's address a couple of easier, straightforward things, and then we'll hop into to the Warlock discussion. Uh, so the first question was, although the Wild Pack really helps, do you or the Hearthstone team have any ideas on how to make wild cards more accessible for newer players. To that question, Ixar replies, we intentionally obfuscate wild from newer players because it's a very complex mode for someone trying to understand the game. In some ways, wild is a bit more approachable than standard from a spend perspective. If you craft one powerful deck, you are likely to stay powerful forever and be able to build on that deck without ever having to pivot to something new. That said, we've thought about adding a purchase option for entire non-disenchantable wild sets for low purchase points, Unsure if we'll ever do it, but there's some motivation there to have a lower barrier to entry without risking players just buying and disenchanting for value. So essentially talking about access uh, to wild makes a bunch of good points here. Um, kind of confirming what a lot of people kind of were speculating, that they purposely make it more difficult to get into the wild format. Um, and uh, floating out a couple of options there in order to make wild kind of more accessible. So I don't really know if you guys have any conversation points on this. I just want to bring this up because it's an important point, right? Getting more players into the format, I think, is a very important thing. Yeah, I think I I would love the idea of, uh, you know, buying an entire set of cards after they rotate. I think that that would set a good precedent. It would make uh, the, the format more accessible to players that are, um, you know, maybe not brand new because, you know, there is something to the fact that, like, Wild is a inherently more uh, complicated format just because you have to... Um, you know, understand a variety of different interactions that you're not exposed to in standard. So I would, I I would personally just love the the concept of the uh, the the wild sets at a low cost. So yes, please do that. That's much better than wild packs. I I would be very happy about that, and I think it would make the format, um, you know, much more popular as a result because I think that there's a large portion of players that just want to be able to have the cards and know what cards they're getting rather than the the loot box mechanic of a uh, of packs so i i would personally love this yeah uh i was one of the suckers that um when the wild format came out i disenchanted everything i maybe not everything everything but i disenchanted a lot it took like a year of me hard playing wild to kind of claw my way back 
Um, damn, we've come so far. Uh, but no, the I would love this, obviously. It'd be great. I hope they do it. It doesn't sound like it's something that they're definitely going to do, but um, I hope if it ever comes up again that it gets met with a lot of support and enthusiasm because I think this is an awesome idea. Yeah, 100% agree. Go, yeah, go spam this, uh, this particular tweet with uh, likes and comments about how great of an idea it is so that you can let XR know personally that like this is something that the community wants. How else is it going to know that if, uh, if you don't tell them? So be nice, but uh, let them know you think this is a good idea. Uh, how do you guys like the tradable mechanic? Uh, it honestly feels like an evergreen mechanic rather than a one-time thing. It's at least, in my opinion, one of the best mechanics ever introduced, ever introduced in a set since Discover. I think this is an opinion that we have all shared publicly on this podcast. We both, or all three of us, love tradable. So XR replies, I love it. Admittedly, I was a bit skeptical at first and wanted to do something closer to how cycling works in Magic. I was afraid of the uh, the UX, the user interface, I guess. Uh I don't, I don't know my tech lingo, I apologize in advance, uh, of dragging to deck wasn't communicated well enough, and always one mana draw didn't give us enough design flexibility. Turns out that we were able to make plenty of designs that felt great to play or trade at one mana, and dragging to deck was adopted right away. Still unlikely to make it a forever keyword, we have too many of those already, but maybe we'll get rid of a keyword and replace it. Uh, a little bit sad to hear that it's not something they were initially planning for it to be a, a forever keyword, because it just seems like it's... It's a pretty straightforward thing that's really applicable, and I, I love it. Um, I guess their their big mindset is they have too many of these permanent keywords, but uh, I mean, I don't think this keyword is super complicated and adds too much complexity to the game. Um, but a little bit sad that they don't currently have plans on reprinting this in future sets. Yeah, no, that's I, I'm I'm gonna part ways with XR on this one. Uh... First of all, before we get comments, UX is uh, user experience. Uh, so that that would be the act of dragging the, the card uh, over your deck in order to trade it. As somebody that botched that multiple times just today uh, when I was trying to play the card and played it a little bit too far to the right, I think tradable is a fantastic mechanic, even though my brain is much too small in order to do it properly. Uh, I think it's a great mechanic. I, I don't... Is there really like a top end for the the number of keywords that you can have in in a card game when they're hover over like they're hoverable and they tell you what they are? Maybe it's just you know my wild brain and the fact that I've been playing the format for so long and I have so many keywords. Like I I don't know I don't I disagree with the the idea of like there being too many keywords in the game. I think keywords are useful in like conveying complex information in a single word. Like I, I think it's I think it's a good thing. So I I would like to see it i don't and i would not like to see a, a a keyword removed necessarily i don't know that that's necessary but then again i'm a highly engaged player and so my experience is very different than uh, the you know typical hearthstone player so i could be off base there but uh i i would just i just want to give it to me all right uh for any of you guys listening make sure you guys clip that out of content just because ruffle has this not to all right all right let's hop into the uh let's talk about wild right this this is the whole reason uh that we brought up the q a uh, so Ridiculous Hat, shout out to Hat, uh, asked the question, Historically, Wild has been left to more organic balancing. In Standard, you curate based on ladder performance, and in Wild, you haven't. Current Wild kind of feels beyond the tipping point of this approach. Do you agree? And do you anticipate a change in how the format is approached? Uh, so, again, stop me if you've heard this before, uh, but Ixar replies, We don't intend for Wild to be Standard 2.0. I don't expect the philosophy around Wild Balance to change in any drastic way going forward. We'll make light changes to major power outliers. We'll make major changes to extreme negative feeling gameplay archetypes. I feel like he has his copy pasted at this point. He's got a doc ready to go whenever somebody asks him about the wild format. But then he goes on to reply uh, and further explain. Both of these things are very subjective. To us, Warlock is currently on the edge power outlier. And we'll probably see some further minor adjustment. Alarm bells are ringing. Woo! Um... And I kind of want to just go ahead and just read off another couple series of tweets because they all kind of go in line with this one. And then we'll kind of just come back <laughs> and talk about these tweets as a whole. Uh, so Memnarch, another member of the community, uh, asked a follow-up question. So what are these negative feeling gameplay archetypes? So far, Darkest Hour is one of those. But wouldn't the Sork Apprentice OTK, Combo Druid, and the Rogue OTK, OTK decks that all kill on turn 5, turn 6 with no board interaction fit under that umbrella as well? So XR replies, again, subjective. Usually extreme negative means that your opponent is doing something you have no opportunity to build or play around, and that thing is consistent enough to happen often, and it's high enough population that you see it regularly. For this reason, things that happen on turn 10 plus rarely fall into this bucket, because there's 
enough aggression for aggro decks and disruption for slow decks to build around the interaction. Memnarch responds, for each of those decks that he mentioned, you know, they do have game plans against aggro decks uh, and are too fast for control decks, right? So the OTK mages have ice blocks, which buy them two turns. The OTK druids have oaken summons plus lots of armor. And the OTK rogues now have evasion and cloak of shadows. So Ixar replies, if the OTK mage was 40% of the population, I think we'd be having a conversation about that deck instead of Warlock. But simply because a combo exists doesn't mean it warrants changing. If OTK Mage had a great plan against aggro and control, it would probably be winning more games. Um, so yeah, big, big conversation here about you know the wild meta and their philosophy, I guess, on these balance changes for the format. Again, their philosophy, nothing new. We've talked about it on the podcast, I think, like six or seven times already in the past year, <laughs> uh, specifically from XR tweets on his AMAs. Um, so that's not super surprising. Uh, the first thing I want to bring up, he did say, though, that Warlock is currently on that you know power outlier for what they consider for balance changes, and so it's probably going to see some more further adjustment. So kind of all but confirming, balance changes coming soon. Yeah, and I think that... I think that there's like maybe some separation between player expectation and like what the the devs are observing uh, in terms of the the wild format right now. Because if you ask like your typical wild player if Dark Lair, Seed Warlock, whatever you want to call it, is a power outlier, they would it would be a resounding yes, like uh, across the board. And I think what's maybe happening a little bit here is that there is you know plenty of data probably suggesting that there are ways to beat quest warlock we talked about this uh but the player expectation is that you know you can again play some of those reno decks in particular in the wild format that's what draws people to to the game mode and that is not a possibility so like there's some i don't know i guess uh dissonance between um you know what what they're observing and what the player is maybe expecting going into um the wild format the fact that quest warlock is beatable isn't you know isn't the whole story because it's again pushing some of those um you know pretty nostalgic decks out of the format and um i think that that's that's the problem that i'm personally having with it i don't mind if a deck is strong but i i, I don't know and i'll talk a little bit about it when we get to the the play patterns because i i disagree a little bit with uh the the points that memnarca is raising in terms of the the difference of those decks but I think that Quest Warlock right now is kind of uniquely situated in a way that like pushes out a lot of decks that um, those, aside from maybe Dark Lair or uh, Darkest Hour Warlock, those other examples don't. So exciting to hear that. But uh, if you guys want to jump into this conversation uh, that Memnarch brings up about these kind of just negative feeling archetypes, right, and gameplay patterns. Um, so specifically, he references the Sork Apprentice OTK. Uh, I'm assuming the alignment combo druids, both the Mali and the Togwaggle versions, uh, and then the Rogue OTK. So for those of you guys that know the Rogue OTK, basically you play Spirit of the Shark and then you kill people with Pillager, right? Because you're able to make massive amounts of discounts with Foxy Fraud and uh, Scabs. So basically the comment here is, okay, they kill me on turn five, turn six without having to interact with the board. And then they are able to, you know, stall against aggro enough because you have blocks you have oaken summons and plague uh and you have like the evasions for the rogue decks um and so i know ruffle you said you wanted to talk a little bit about what you might disagree here with uh Memnarch just a little bit about yeah i think the the biggest difference that i see with uh something like uh darkest hour and um seed warlock right now is the amount of agency that the opponent has in terms of uh, playing against those decks that well yes when they draw the nuts it's helpless and you you just kind of lose turn five, turn six, but that's not every game, and you have limited, but still some counterplay for those decks. If you're talking about the uh, the slower, you know, uh, control style builds that w look to go to the late game, and in Reno Mage, you have um, you have Ice Block to buy you a counter turn in the, in those matchups. You have Zephyrus to break the block so that you can um, you know kill the Mage. You have Dirty Rat so that you can hit the Mizaki or you can hit the Mali Ghost. Like you have. Some even if it doesn't feel like it, and even if your options are limited, you have an amount of agency in those matchups that you just don't have against Seedlock because no reasonably functional Seed Warlock uh, um, opponent is going to leave a Tamsin in hand to allow you to disrupt that. And as soon as that Tamsin comes down, you lose that game. Like so, it's 
I, I think it's very different in the same way that like what was the counterplay to, to, to Darkest Hour Warlock? If they had the combo, they won. Like you didn't get to play that game of Hearthstone, and to a certain extent, neither did the opponent because they it was just uh, Memnarch brought this up later, but it was it was literally a flat matchup spread with fifty percent win rates against everything because you you drew the combo, you won, you didn't, you lose. That's like I I I don't know. I feel like that the 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 difference between uh, the the decks that he brings up and the decks that have been touched and you know, hopefully will be touched in the form of, of Seedlock is the, the amount of agency that the the opponent has against that or in ending the game, um, you know, in a way other than just like smacking them in the face. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you say agency, it, it's basically to me that the decks that have been touched were good and the decks that haven't been touched are bad or uh, this were popular, right? Like this is kind of why I was so sort of, focused i suppose on the win rate of Steeler warlock when that was in the format um because win rate is isn't the end or be all but it's usually a really good indicator of popularity right like people tend to gravitate away from decks that are bad and people gravitate towards decks that are good in Steeler warlock's case it never became good it was still sub 50 percent win rate at all ranks but it just never went away um and the thing is like you can create the most um what, what is the wording again the most um like unfun <laughs> like the, the extreme negative play pattern like a deck possible but it doesn't matter if it's like 40 percent win rate no one plays it like it's irrelevant right and things like mazaki major alignment druid these decks aren't any really any different to me than Steeler or wall Steeler warlock or even that different necessarily than you know quest mage or, or the current quest line warlocks like i think these are all very early combo decks that sort of do similar things the difference is how good are they and by proxy, how popular are they? And I think that's always the biggest issue when it comes to this kind of stuff. And that's why win rate does matter, even though I understand sometimes people say it's not about the win rate, it's about how it feels. It's like, well, it's both, right? Like, it's how it feels, and the win rate is an indicator of how popular it is, and how often you see it is the big issue. Um, like, right now, if Questline Warlock was only 10% of the meta, for whatever reason, it wouldn't be the biggest issue right now. Um, and so that's sort of the biggest difference that I see. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of combo stuff in Wild that could be considered unfun. It's a sort of the nature of it, but when things get to this kind of power outlier um, and this level of population, then that's really when things need to get, you know, get changed. Um, and they haven't done it often, right? Like, it's very rare that they do these wild changes. And um, it, it is kind of funny when Ixar says that it's on the it's on the edge. It's on the edge of the power outlier because... You know, for a lot of people, that sounds absolutely ludicrous, but it does really give, like, an indicator of the fact that they don't want to be doing this. They don't want to change things in this format um, if they can help it. Yeah. And I think that the, the power layer is, again, the, like, the existence of the other strong decks in the format that are doing well as, as a result of the popularity of Quest Warlock. So I think that it may be... It doesn't look as much of a if, if you're just looking exclusively at the data. It doesn't look as much of a power outlier as it actually is. And to your point, I think that yeah, popularity is a good proxy for like um, you know those the strength of a deck because a lot of people like a low win rate deck is kind of self correcting in, in terms of the the popularity. So you stop seeing those decks because people like winning and they don't like as much fun as it is to um, throw out a whole bunch of big minions on turn four and uh five with big priests like you're not seeing that type of play pattern anymore because it's miserable against uh against quest warlock so like that's a good indicator big priest is you know historically been a very popular deck regardless of how terrible it was and it's just gone and so like that like i think that um you know is is good evidence for the case that you're making that like play rate is it like if anything the most important factor here uh because if something is popular and frustrating to play against, like that's just going to make the format not very much fun. I guess, I, I, I guess is the the issue. Can you imagine if Pillage of Rogue was like twenty percent of the format? Like if that deck was good, as an example, you know, this because like if that deck was actually strong and it was actually popping up consistently on turn five, turn four, which it, it does, right? That's like that's when it's trying to kill all the time. Uh, it's just an aside, right? I'm just thinking about another example of another one of these decks that. I just don't see complaints about because it's bad. It just, you know, there's so many of these decks right now, and uh, I think that's just the big thing. Like, like, like we t circled back to, um, and I think what Dixter was saying is that uh, 
think when he said like things that happen on turn rarely fall into this bucket i mean that's just a true statement right he's not saying that things that happen earlier don't fall into this bucket or anything yeah, right he's just saying that like any 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 combo that happens at turn 10 plus you're just like oh yeah hats off to your um elwin ball combo that you that you, you killed me with right it doesn't really feel that bad I was getting that on turn five, so I don't know what you're oh, doing. Shit. Oh, shit. Whoa, time to nerf, dude. Turn five combo, yeah. time to nerf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels hey, bad, right? I mean, my my YouTube comments uh, day one were flooded with how broken Sword of a Thousand Truths are. And, um, I, he I heard Ruffle. I heard you had a 100% win rate on YouTube in, in that deck. Well, I mean, YouTube Ruffle is the... I mean, we talk about Gruul as the golden god of Firestone, but YouTube Ruffle is just, like, on a different level. He... I don't know. It's he just, The guy just doesn't lose. I wish... I could be as good as him. I wish Amazing. I could be as good as him too. Yeah. All right. I one last thing uh, before we wrap up. Are you are you scared about stuff like Mizaki Mage, Pillager Rogue, Combo Druids, decks that like they can combo on turn five, turn six, but like they don't consistently do it, so they they're not very good. Are you scared that they're always like one step away from being like another? quest line warlock or a quest mage style of deck where like the moment they print one card that card that deck becomes uber consistent top tier deck and like are, are you ever scared of that or are you just like if that ever happens this will fall in that bucket of decks that they will nerf and so that we could expect changes for, for decks like that it would be surprising if a card or a single card were introduced to the standard format that wasn't completely broken in the standard format that pushed the, the like, I think, I don't think that those decks are even close to where seed luck is right now. So I think it takes, I think it's the slow creep and the accumulation of multiple cards that, that becomes the problem. And that's the, that's the fear um, that we get another deck that, you know, gets to the, the secret, a uh, secret mage level of uh, synergy or the dark lair level of uh, synergistic mechanics. So I don't, I don't think again, it's, it's hard to isolate individual cards that like push decks over the top. I mean, you can make an argument for Springwater when it was first introduced with a uh, APM mage, but like the deck was uh, popping up in play rate just as a meta response prior to that. Anyway, so I don't, I don't know. I I'm not worried about it because I don't know how close these decks actually are to that level because they just kind of seem bad. I'm more concerned about, um, even decks like Odd Paladin continuing to accumulate cards like they did with things like uh, Knight of Anointment and Conviction uh, recently. Like, it's the accumulation of cards, not just like a single card that propels these archetypes to absurdity has been my observation and what I learned from uh, the recent Dark Lair nerfs, I think. So, no, but I mean, it's possible that that happens. It's just if that does happen, I think that it would create a situation on standard where that card needs to be touched anyway. Yeah, Springwater was the one I was thinking about when, yeah, when you were, like, talking about that. Um, the, I don't, I don't know if scared is necessarily the right term for me. It's just, uh, like, to me, the the idea of the combo deck sort of overtaking is an inevitability, right? I, I, I think we Does will it have see to more be, decks. Though? I think, I, I, maybe, we'll save this for next week, I think. Right. Or maybe the week after. But I, I, I constantly always want to push back on that statement because I don't feel like it okay. has to be. But, okay. I mean, well, that's, that's a topic for another episode, and I'll let you finish. Sorry, yeah. sorry I interrupted. Sorry yeah, I no, 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 that's you. fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, like, again, I, I, I'm trying not to, like, go back to your point there about the inevitability thing. But to me, uh, because there are so many options, like, every class almost has something that's, like, an APM-style deck, right? Everything, every, Almost every class has a um a deck that feels to me like it's actually very close like as much as i'm memeing up pillager rogue i don't think it would take that much to put pillager rogue over the top very quickly or apm priest apm priest is so close i feel like there's some radiant elemental insight auctioneer stuff like it, i know it's a joke right now but it doesn't i i honestly don't think it takes that much like it, it just takes sort of one interaction that's not meant to get discounted or something you know like it, it, whether it's a radiant elemental or an apprentice or shark or foxy whatever um but again i don't know if scared is the right term it just to me i understand i think that every expansion there's going to be new combo decks that pop up in wild and they're very likely gonna be bad right like like it's an aggressive format and if they're bad then they probably won't be that popular now sometimes we have exceptions 
Um, but when that happens, you just kind of hope, hope they get nerfed. Like, you just hope that there's an adjustment. Um, and that's kind of what I mean by active balancing, and that's, like, what I want there to be in Wild. Um, I don't need every deck to get nerfed every time, but, you know, when there's problems, hopefully it gets adjusted. And by the sounds of it, it seems like that's what might be happening. Um, fingers crossed, right? Fingers crossed, so yeah. I'm, I'm happy with this. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get a, a good change soon. Yeah, I think one more thing I'd like to add is uh, something that Corb kind of alluded to while he was talking about that is, um, it is a it is a fast format, and while those combo decks are getting new tools, I think that like new sets don't operate in isolation. They're not individual cards getting released as those combo decks are getting new tools. So are the aggressive decks that beat them, and um, you know are able to to rush them down a little bit faster, apply pressure, and prevent them from comboing. So. I don't think that it's just a matter of as soon as they get new cards, they'll be broken. Like we've seen that combo, that's that combo road has increased in power significantly since it was uh, first, you know, introduced. And it's like it's despite getting better and better. I don't know that it's better and better relative to the other decks necessarily, or not in a substantial way. So, I, like all decks get better as expansions happen, and you know the. The result of that that we've seen lately, at least, is the the format gets faster. I think that the problem is is that the abrupt shift between where we were at the end of Forge and the Barons and where we are, you know, at the right now is a bit of whiplash, and I don't see that changing anytime soon as a way as a result of how oppressive Seedlock is. Yeah. All right, uh, I think that's a good stopping point for uh, for this week's episode. I think it was a. I think I really enjoyed today's episode. Uh, a lot of the topics that we covered today, hopefully. All of you guys that are listening did too. Uh, it was nice being back. Uh, and Raffle and Corbett, thanks for uh, for hanging out with me again this week. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RaffleHS and at YouTube and Twitch at Raffle. And you can find me on those platforms at Corbett Games. So it's Corbett Games on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. And you guys can find me over on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube as well at get me out and of course you guys can check out the podcast on the go uh just a reminder uh spotify apple Podcasts, all your podcast distributors you should be able to find us if you just search state of the wild we appreciate all of you guys for listening thank you so much for for hanging out with us this week and hopefully you guys enjoyed the discussion uh and hopefully you guys can uh you know hang in there until we get these new promised warlock changes uh and we'll see you guys again next week have a good one guys